Good evening, everybody. We are with the final Q&A for this month, 10th month, 29th of October. Oh and we just thank God oh, thank for you, this month, another three days, I guess, three days, mm. two days, 30, 31, yeah, two days, and this month will be over. So much happening. But we just thank God. We just thank God He's there. The only one who promised and who can keep that promise, I will never leave you mm. nor forsake you. I'll be with you till the very end. So this evening, Father, once again, as we come to the end of a week, we want to thank you, Father. Through it all, Father, through it all. We can truly say, Lord, you were there. Mm. And you were the only one who was there. Yes, Lord. Yes, you were the only one who could be there. But Lord, you didn't have to be there. In your faithfulness, you were there. Mm. Faithful, faithful, faithful. That's who you are, Lord, to your promises. We just want to thank you, Father. Even this evening, there's so many questions. We pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment, Lord. That when we answer, it will be an answer to somebody's deep-rooted query, doubt. It may edify somebody, comfort somebody, encourage somebody. But, Father, anoint us, Father. Anoint the words we speak. Thank you, Father. We commit the rest of the time into thy hands. Be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So this is question number five. Uh, we'll start with question number five. This is on perseverance in prayer. It says, why did, why did it take Daniel 21 days to get his answer when God had sent an angel to him the very first day he started praying? If you, if you go to that portion in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, and uh, before you go to Daniel chapter 10, we need to go to Ephesians chapter 6, 6, 12, yeah, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, this is not a study on it, but if you look at it over there, even in the demonic realm, the fallen angels realm, there is an hierarchy. There is an hierarchy. There are levels. And even among the other angels, there is a hierarchy. There are levels. So in this, of course, Lucifer is at the top as the leader, but beneath him there are principality. Principality, the word principality comes from the word prince. There is a king and there are princes. Or in old days you had dukes like now Prince Charles is uh, Duke of Edinburgh, meaning he's the next in line to become king. So, so there are princes. The king puts his princess in charge of different kingdoms. So you have principalities, you have powers, you have rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness, so down to the panchayat level. Okay, <laughs> if you want to put it in ten terms. Gram okay. Gram panchayat down to the local there are demons in there. Because um, the devil has to rule that way. He is not like God omniscient omnipotent. He's not everywhere. He does not have that. So he has a network of demons and angels controlling his kingdom as he operates. So the highest among them after him are the principalities. Now if you go to Daniel chapter 10, 10 okay, 
Remember, Daniel was praying for something, and this is the, what he's praying. It's a very serious thing. We may, it may look so simple, but if you look back into history, it's a huge revelation about the future of Israel, the future of the world. So he says, do not fear, Daniel, for from the day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before you, your God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. But who withstood him? It was not an ordinary demon. It was the top guy, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. It was a principality that opposed him. It's a big guy who opposed him. Withstood me 21 days. Okay. Now God could overrule all that, but he doesn't. Okay. Then he, God can overrule everything in our lives. Mm. He doesn't. He allows things to happen because these are much more ramifications for other than Daniel. You take Daniel chapter 10, 13 off. 21st, 2,000 years of church history is prayer life would change. Exactly. Mm. Prayer life would change. Mm. Okay. So much about prayer, the opposition in the spiritual realm, why men should pray and never give up and all the, you have doctrine in the new covenant and we have experiential history in the old covenant. So God allows a lot of things. It is just for that, not that, for that moment because it leaves its shadow cross history for others to learn that there is a spiritual battle. So you will see it here and you will see it happening over there in Revelation 12. There is a war in, in heaven and Michael and the angels are fighting the dragon and his angels. There's a war in heavens and God allows these things to happen. Only thing is that those angels can be resisted but they cannot be defeated. But this is probably one of the messenger angels. So when he comes, the principality over Persia withstands him. There's a battle going on over there for 21 days and then God sent who he sends Michael one of the chief princes now on God's side of angels hierarchies Michael Gabriel are princes so they are also he is prince of what he is prince over Israel Michael is the prince on the God side of angelic realm prince over Israel and because this has got to do with Israel's history their future it has got to do with an Israelite Daniel, so Michael is sent over and that is where you see this happening. So we are taught lessons about that. Don't give up. There are things happening in heaven. There are things happening in heaven. You don't quit. The thing is that um, if you go to see the parallel kind of picture in Revelation 12, it is interesting how this goes side by side in chapter 12 and verse 7. Okay. Okay. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. And then we come towards uh, 11. Now, this is not talking about the angels. This is talking about man. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony, and did not love their lives to the death. So this battle was just not being fought in the heavenly realm. There was a church down on earth which was praying. Mm-hmm. So there is a battle going in heaven, and there's a battle joined on earth. So though we don't see it with our physical eyes, we have to, by faith and in the spirit, get involved in these battles. Because the more we get involved in the battle, we either empower God's... I mean, Please don't misunderstand me saying God needs us or not. Uh, but that's the way God has ordained stuff. 
God has sought. Okay, earth has given in the children of God, and God expects the church, like the Bible says, He looked for one man. Why did He look for one man? He found no man, so His own arm worked out salvation. Otherwise, and the thing is that God has set a set of part of rules, and He allows His creation to be governed by those rules, and He doesn't usually break those rules doesn't break those rules because that's part of his righteousness because if you keep on breaking rules mm. then you are not righteous yes. though for the sake of righteousness you can break a rule okay for the sake of righteousness you can break a rule because the purpose of the rule is the righteousness yes, should be, be fulfilled yeah, okay yeah. like let us say there are traffic rules over there red light nobody goes but if the ambulance goes, nobody stops. Mm. But the ambulance is breaking the rule. Mm -hmm. But the ambulance is allowed to break the rule because the purpose of that rule is to save life. Yes. So if you hold the ambulance at the red light and the patient dies, then what has happened? You have broken the mm -hmm. spirit of the law, the rule. So you have to understand always. This is why it is so important to understand the spirit of what the law is. Because if you don't understand the spirit of the law, we may kill the patient in the ambulance while he's waiting at the red light. Because that was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the spirit of the law, the purpose, intent of it is to bring life, to save life, to enhance life. So you have to see it that way. So there is this battle taking place. There is the angels who are loyal to God and the angels that are against God. And the whole battle is over mankind. Hmm. <laughs> okay, the whole battle. Why are they still over there? You need to ask this question. Why are these angels still, demonic angels still in the second realm? Because man is still on earth. Yes, <laughs> Once this is over, they are gone. <laughs> they will be cast into hell. So they are also there. And they know their time is running out. Okay, When Jesus came, they made it very clear. They knew. Have you come to torment us before, before our, our time? time? They are tormented. But that torment is nothing concerned com compared to the torment that is coming in the lake of fire, which is forever and ever. They have kind of a relative freedom now. That will be all taken away. So everybody, all of them know, though they are kind of outside time eternal beings, they are caught in our time because everything that is happening over there is connected with planet Earth. Mm. Planet Earth. And that is something they cannot understand. Why does God love man? Something they cannot figure it out. But that's what is happening over here. So there is a war taking place and God could, could have answered it. But God doesn't. Mm. God doesn't. The simple thing is that He has ordered a way in which His kingdom, His 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 creation works, and He sticks to that. There are times when He overrules, and He just answers just like that. Okay, answers just like that. And uh, I think we have a similar kind yeah. of question yeah. also about about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus yeah, about Jesus. Before. Okay, and now in certain cases. The Holy Spirit can overrule all of it. Like now in the church age, much more than the angelic. There are angelic interventions even now. Continuously there are angelic interventions that goes on. But the primary work now is done by and through the Spirit of God. But all the other manifestations are still there. Angels are there, dreams are there, visions are there, prophecies are there. All these are there. Because you see that happening in Jesus' life, in Paul's life, in Peter's life. And it keeps on happening. So how God chooses to answer a prayer, you have to leave it to them. 
He may answer it instantaneously through the Spirit. He may answer it through a vision or a dream or a word of prophecy. We do not know how he will answer. But this is the confidence which we need to go, that if he asks, he will answer. So here he's teaching a fundamental principle like we Luke 18.1, right? Yes. If you go to Luke 18.1, these are chapters from the book of Daniel. He's a prayer warrior, okay? He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And you have to realize Daniel did not lose heart. Daniel did not lose heart. He kept on praying. He was fasting. He was praying and he fasting. And on the 21st day, answer came through. And then he told him the delay. And he also told him, please summon. He says, he's basically trying to see, don't feel condemned that it took you for you 21 days, that you were not heard because you had to go through this cleansing period. Nothing. You were heard on the first day. You're good. You're kosher. Because sometimes when we don't get an answer, what do we do? We start soul searching and we start confessing every unknown sin also. But there is a battle going on over there. We don't know. We invent sins which we haven't done. We start confessing things which we, because we are, we are desperate. Right? So he's saying, he's confident. Don't worry, Daniel. It's got nothing to do with you. You were heard on day one. Mm. The answer came on the 21st day. But the lesson we learn from this is we ought to always pray and not lose heart. Okay? So we have to we have to allow God to be God. Can God do everything in an instant? Yes. Did he do? Does he do? No. Very rarely. I mean, he waited 4,000 years to send his son to save mankind. And for 4,000 years, men were dying and going to hell. He didn't intervene. Though the promise was given right in the beginning. As soon as they fell, the same day the promise was given. The seed of the woman. Did the promise come? No. 600 years before Jesus was born, the prophecy was given. The virgin shall give. But did a virgin come for the next 600 years? No. Because there are ways in which God does. Okay? Like we panic, but the thing is that God is always in control. Absolutely, mm. totally in control. Not a mic- mac- microsecond does he lose control. That's why he says, you be still. I'm in control. But what are we supposed to do? We have to learn these lessons. We keep on. But once we know it is the will of God, that is the thing. Once we have to zero into the will of God, he's zeroed into the will of God. He knows his prayer is according to the will of God. Possibly. Once you understand it is the will of God, pursue Possibly. until the answer comes. Amen. That's why we use the word push. Push until something happens. Pray. Keep on. Pray. Okay. Pray mm. until something happens. You have to keep on praying. Once you know it, this is the will of God. And he knows this is the will of God because he had searched and found it was time for Israel. And from there starts his searching. If you know it is time, then I didn't need to put the dots together. And God answers it. That, 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 that uh, also holds true in the current prophetic timeline. You think, for example, uh, in the case of Daniel, mm-hmm. it was very specific that he understood from the books that according to prophet Jeremiah, the 70 years of captivity is over and that Jerusalem, I mean, mm-hmm. Jews have to go back to Jerusalem. But in our contemporary uh, Christian context, uh, the imminent return of the Lord is there. And how do we, in the in those circumstances, pray and find the will of God and persevere in the in in, in, uh, with, in, in our case? You have to go to what Jesus said. Again, there are prophecies, right? So Matthew twenty-four. We primarily go into uh, 
Matthew 24, right? Got it? Matthew 24. Yeah, Matthew 24, verse 14. Hmm. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end mm -hmm. will come. So there is a whole lot of stuff happening, okay, where it will say, uh, these things will all start happening and he keeps on telling us to stand, to stand, to stand, to stand. And then different things are said. There is, there is a division after 14 and 15. It's like Genesis 1 and 2. There's a difference. There's, there seems to be a shift. division, shift. Therefore, when you see the abomination, okay, suddenly you, from the gospel, yes. you move into the Jewish temple. Yes. From the dispensation to the Gentiles, Church. you're suddenly moving into the, because the abomination of desolation is spoken by, it's connected with them. Mm -hmm. It's not connected mm -hmm. with us. It's mm -hmm. got to do with the third temple. It's got nothing to do with us. Okay. So there is a gap between 40 and see, that's why we don't get too deep into eschatology because we leave it to the people who have the time for that, mm. who are specially trained, called to do eschatology because to do eschatology, it is like a research. You have to take every prophecy in the Old and New Testament and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, start putting it together to get a timeline precisely. And still you will not get it because no man knows the day and the hour. We can only roughly have. So you have Matthew, you have Luke 21, you have all these things, signs of the end days, no? These things, okay? All these things, you will see these signs are given. You see, okay, again, you will see all men will hate you. When is you Jerusalem being surrounded by others? That is in verse 20 and all. Again, this thing, okay? Will be taken. There's a shift taking place. Okay, so. If you come to verse 32. Luke 21. 30. Luke 21, 32. This generation. I tell you the truth. This generation. Which is this generation? The generation that is living the time when Jesus is going to come. This generation. This particular generation. It is not talking about generation to whom Jesus was actually physically speaking. He's giving a set of science that is talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and then talking about that generation that would be living there. Now look at the wording very clearly. Assuredly I say to you, this generation will all, will by no means pass away till all things take place. So here is where the concept of convergence is coming in. There are many things mentioned over here. That is, you have famines, you have wars, you have earthquakes, you have uh, what is the Pestilences. other? Pestilences. We have all these things. And these things have been taking place for 2,000 <coughs> years with increasing frequency. frequency. But the Bible is saying when all these things start to converge, that's a theory of convergence, when all of these things start mm -hmm. coming to pass together, you have wars, or rumors of war, pestilence, famine, all these things coming together, you know what happens? God says, that generation, watch out. That's watch out mm. because everything is, it's, it's like what you would say. I mean, doctors would know it better and women would know it better, no? When, I mean, because he birth used pangs. it as, has mm. birth pangs, okay? Yes. He has birth pangs. But the birth pangs is when one of 
when a sister who is carrying starts having her contractions. Yeah, that's the mm. word, contractions. Okay, when they call the guy in they will ask, Shh, measure the time gap. Mm. They say twenty minutes. They say, Don't worry. Stay back. But when the contractions become closer and closer, they will say, come, admit yourself in because the baby is getting ready to be born. That's why Jesus uses the same illustration. Mm. He says, when you see all the things, these are contractions, birth pangs, contractions. But when they start getting more and more and more and more and more and more frequent, it's getting the time for the baby to come. The second coming, it's closer. So that's what we are watching now. Mm. Okay, we are watching now. We have gone through pestilence. It's not gone. Mm. It's still coming back. By British Airways, it's coming back. The new variant is BA, right? The <laughs> <laughs> new one is just coming in. Okay, and then the war, they thought it is over. It is not over. It is not going to be over. Okay, Ukraine has six weeks, but suddenly nobody's talking about they were going to take over Kherson. Nothing is over. The Russians have moved in 800 new battalions, not battalions, this thing. They have reinforced into Kherson. They are fighting back. Winter is going to set in. Ukraine is going to be in trouble. 40% of the power structure is gone. And their temperature drops into minus 20, 30 and all. So this is not going to finish along with it. Recession is coming, famine is coming, and God will allow all these things to happen. But when this is happening, God says, keep your eyes, be, be very careful where you look. He says, lift your heads up. Mm. Lift it. Don't lose sight of the big picture, mm. because when we are looking, we look all around. And yes, it's a be practical, because he talks about, not be practical. He talks about that when these things happen, no? What will happen? Don't go up to the roof. Move all that. So he says, be also be practical about it. He says, when you're persecuted in one city, run to the next city. So he says, also be practical. We are not to be uh, our head in the clouds, yes, but feet firmly on earth. Mm. Occupy till I come is what he has said. Sometimes people are very impractical about these things. Yes, he will come to take us, but we don't know when he will come to take us and be prepared for those times. When that happens, be prepared. Be prepared for this time. So we see all these th things happening. And you know what? There should be an intensity in our prayer life. We cannot continue the status quo. Yes. There should be an intensity in which how we pray, our word life, our seeking of the Lord, because what is happening, we are preparing. You know, uh, uh, a mother may conceive, Okay, and she and she goes through a process, but uh, as she's getting closer and closer, the house starts changing. Mm. The house starts changing. Okay, the baby's room starts changing. I mean, if if you have that kind of resources, suddenly the color has changed. I mean, it's not you, India, but if let's say you are in US and it's you know it's a girl or a boy, the pink and the blue starts appearing according to the gender of the child. Everything starts changing. Why? What's happening? Because you know it's getting closer and closer. So there is an intensity that is happening also in the physical realm, in the way they are preparing for the baby's arrival. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. If you really believe in all this, because if you look into the Bible, everything is connected, preparation is connected with the appearance of Jesus Christ. He makes it very clear, otherwise it's all theory. Mm. If you are not aware of the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not really, really prepare. 
prayers. Because if you go into a classroom, if you have 100 students, there is one or two who will consistently study and be prepared for exam any time. But most of them, once you give the final exams date, they will start preparing. That is when they start preparing. <laughs> okay, so that has to be because that is an eventuality. Because the reason, the reason is this. The day Jesus comes, let us say today is 29, 30, 31, okay? First of November, Jesus is coming. Everything we have planned out goes out of the window. It makes no more sense. Mm. The next two days, everything will be over. Tomorrow in church, everybody will ask, can we have a three-day fasting and prayer? People who won't come also will ask, can we have, if they know on first Jesus is coming. What made the difference? Monday morning, church, everybody will take leave. If they don't leave, they will resign and come. What made the difference? Because Jesus is coming. Okay, Jesus is coming. That's the only thing. You look through the Bible, any epistle, it is connected with the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the appearance of Lord. So that is a major event. So we have to look at it. And the thing is that our, our, it has to have an impact on us have to impact on us because he hasn't told us when he will come. He hasn't come. And I, when I look into Matthew and when he says uh, the gate is straight and the way is narrow and very few will find it, I actually believe when he talks about the very few, he's not talking about salvation. I believe he's talking about rapture. Very few will make it to rapture the last generation. The rest, even if it is us, will have to come through tribulation. Very few will make it because they will not go through that narrow way and be prepared for his coming. Very few. Because it's not talking about salvation. Salvation is not such a difficult thing. Sanctification is difficult. Mm. Salvation is entirely his work, so it is not difficult. It is easy. Sanctification is where we come in. As much as he is, we come in. To be prepared for the Lord's coming is not in his hands. It is in our hands. He is faithful to do it if we are faithful to do it. Otherwise, he won't do it. He won't do it. And I believe when he's talking about that, he's primarily talking about... Uh, you see, when Jesus... Uh, when uh, Isaac looked up and he saw all those camels coming back, his eyes are for Rebecca. Yes. Though there are ten maids with her. Okay? Ten maids with her. So when Jesus is coming and he's primarily talking and teaching and all, his honest is upon the bride. Mm. Not the rest of the crowd who will make it. Rest of the crowd who will make it. His honest is on the bride. That is the one who truly has loved him with all her heart, all her mind, all her soul, all her strength. And the others are there. It's like a wedding. There are so many people out there. And there is the word, maids of honor are there. But everybody's eye is on the maid. Okay? <laughs> the pastor doesn't say maids of honor are coming, all rise. He doesn't say that. Though they are there. Sinorser of all eyes is on the bride. Mm. So Jesus is also looking for his bride. Mm. What is the joy set before him? He's going to get his bride. And the book of Revelation talks about that. When the city is described, the city is described in the terms of the bride. Okay, so that's where we need to. The whole thing is that, is it easy to be the bride? No, it is not easy to be the bride. To be a bride is not very easy. 
Because you see, you can go for a wedding. Can you be the bride? No, you cannot be the bride. Mm. For the bride, one, the bridegroom needs to want her. Second, she has forsaken everybody and is being joined to him. Mm. No. And that is the beginning of the journey to become a bride is a call of discipleship. Yes. Anyone wants to be, so this term, bride, disciple, all these different terms he uses, you know, and that is where it is not easy. We, we, we shouldn't make things which are difficult easy. Oh, yes. It is difficult. Even for if you are a pastor, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. It's not easy. What is opposing us is the system in which we live. And that is why we have to fight that system. And the powers of darkness which are always after us to take our eyes of Christ Jesus. One way or other, it will be after. So we have to look at it. And we will see why is this battle? Why is this? You need to. You mean to say that there are tens and thousands and thousands of Jewish people of Jewish heritage in Babylon? I do believe many of them are praying. Many of them are good Jewish boys and men and women. They are praying, but there's no battle over their prayer lives. Hmm. Battle only over the prayer life of one man. Why? Because his prayer is in. Entirely connected with the kingdom of God oh, yes. and God's will and God's purposes for his people. So he's standing in the gap and they are trying to block the answer oh. to his prayer and not to the other prayers. Yeah, and that is where you need to ask, mm. what are you praying for? What are you praying for? Okay. Mm. So that's how we have to look. All See the call for uh, the, the exodus from Babylon back to Jerusalem. Mm. It starts with a few people who have this intense burden, yes, intense burden, God places that burden in their hearts. Now, do you think the bride is that kind of a person? It is, that it, you, you cannot, t- you cannot just, we cannot just, ask, we cannot just as family ask Rebecca, will you go? She said, I'll go. Hmm. Okay, so it is that, you know, but when, so there is, this of our part with the apostles say, we will continually give ourselves yes. to this, okay? So if, if you in your personal life, we are not talking about a corporate life. These mm. things don't work no, in a corporate yes, life. Yes, yes. These are personal things, mm. okay? That's why the Bible says one from a family, two from a city, mm. okay? These are personal choices people make. When you make these personal choices to choose God in your prayer life, in your word life, in your faith life, when you choose, then only God can put a burden. Otherwise, you will not carry the burden. Mm. You will not carry a burden. That's what the Bible says about Elijah. You see about Elijah from um, King 17 onwards. He's standing before kings and in Zarephath, mm. then Kerith, then Carmel. All these things happening. But the simple thing is that God is able to take his burden and put on this man. How is he able to put it? Because when you read James, you see he was a man of prayer. prayer. Okay. See, this burden was not... How it was going to be done, Elijah had no clue. Only thing is when he sees the people of God go away from God into Baal worship and he is crying and weeping because there's a history about Elijah which is hidden. Because he suddenly appears before the king, Elijah the Tishbite. We don't know who his father is. It's very rarely a man like that in the Bible about whom you do not know who was used by God, whose father and mother's name we do not know. Hmm. Tell me another person. Yeah. Who is there used by God whose parentage we do not know? He's not there in Chronicles. He's not there in any genealogy. We don't know who his father is. We don't know who his mother is. And we don't know anything about him before he appears before Ahab. But we have a revelation from through James that he was a man of prayer. Hmm. So what was he praying over? Because 
when he prays in Mount Carmel, we will understand the core part of his life. Lord, would you turn these people back to you? So he saw Israel going into idolatry and he must have been, we don't know what he was, a laborer, a farmer, he could have been anything. But he was crying out before God. So God was able to put the burden oh, upon yes. him and the prophetic mantle upon mm, him. Like yes. Amos and all were shepherds. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. God put the mantle. So God is not looking at what we are doing. Oh, yeah. There are mantles which are there for people. But to put that mantle, you need to have a burden that is according to God's burden. Mm. Where did you discover it? It's heard in the prayer closet. Because we have so many questions on prayer today. That's what I was in the prayer closet, God will see. You're seeing all these things happening. And does it move you? Does it move you? And that's the question. Does it move you? Mm. And if it doesn't move you, God cannot put a burden. But when it starts moving you, then God is able to put some people. He may, again, it is God's own prerogative how to use people because yeah. like he's a commanding officer. One he will say go, another he will say do. So there was Anna. He sit in the temple for years and years and years and all she did was fast and pray. That's all she did. But we do not know how important it is that she had to fast and pray because she is fasting and praying and when the hour comes, Jesus is revealed through her. Wow. Jesus is revealed by Simeon, Anna and John the Baptist. Three people. Revealed by three the people. Only three people. And that was Anna's life mission. But what did she do? She only prayed. She didn't prophesy. She didn't. Uh, she, she was a prophetess, yes, but yeah. we don't know about her prophecies except yeah. what she spoke at that day when Jesus was revealed. But you will see, this is how another person may be sent out. Some may be told to stay in. But that is God's prerogative. But the thing is that only when we are, when we have that burden and real burden and zeal for God, is God able to tell us something and we will do it. Mm. Otherwise, we won't do it. Yeah. So that's what Elijah is. Elijah is a man of prayer. And in his prayer closet, God reveals it to him. And then tells him, I heard your prayer. I heard, see your heart. Your heart is the same as mine. But you don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to use you to do it. Go stand before the king and say, there will be no rain. No rain. Because like I said, hunger is the most devastating of human desires. Not thirst not thirst. The problem, difference between thirst and hunger is that Dr. Richard will probably tell you better. How long can a man survive without water? Three not days. a drop? Three days maximum? Yeah, three days. But three days is a very small short of period of time. Okay? And he will die. But hunger, you can survive much, much, much mm. more longer. But the problem, it is a slow process and it starts eating you up. Mm. It can drive you crazy. crazy. The problem is when hunger starts eating you up, the only thing that matters is hunger. Everything goes out of the window. Everything. And sometimes to turn people back to God, God uses hunger. He breaks the bread stuff. And in there this thing, they will turn back to God. And I believe if November 9th results come out that way, that's what it's doing with the U.S. I know you people, you're crackpots, literally crackpots, to turn you back to me, to give you, if you want your land to give some more time, I'm going to put inflation and hunger at the top so that ultimately when you go to the polling booth, you will vote on that. 
what caused you to vote on that to turn from all these crazy stupid things which is all towards your flesh to turn to that is one issue i'm breaking your bread stuff Oh, and if they don't learn from that also and still they vote for yeah, abortion rights my okay think about it oh, Lord. because what will make you forget all these other issues is hunger when hunger comes only hunger matters mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing else matters who cares about other rights right because you need food <laughs> after food only other rights matter right god has these things he has always done these things so when these things are happening we also need to realize lord i pray for plenty god says you pray for plenty my <laughs> purpose will not come pray according to my will and desire for this nation so he doesn't pray for rain he says there will be no rain in this land <laughs> he finds only later in the beginning when he said he had That's no clue at all he says until the word of the lord comes from your mouth when it will come he himself doesn't know <laughs> He doesn't know. <laughs> he has no clue. See, when God, see, this is the issue. This is that's why in the prayer closet we are not trying to twist God's arm. In the prayer closet we are trying to Sorry. find God's desire and His ways. But for that, we need to have our heart right with God. What is God's desire? Primary desire. God's desire is that no man should perish. that is the core what is the entire purpose of jesus coming living dying or that excruciating salvation. death is the salvation of mankind that is the center of everything god is doing and if that is not your and my center god cannot put a burden on our hearts well this is your desire that no man should perish therefore i pray father for repentance for salvation for the unbelieving and revival among the believing lord do whatever it takes for that to happen then he is able to say this is what it takes to happen are you okay with it what lord there is going to be famine does that mean i will also be hungry kind yes. of yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay <laughs> i will i will that is the whole thing if that is not the center of our everything else should be connected to that and if this is not being met doesn't matter what there is prosperity there is blessing there is healing there is deliverance all these things are but they are all connected to one simple thing this salvation i mean you we were both classroom teachers you go to your classroom day we have so many dreams full like the whole batch passes distinction ranking and all but primarily towards the end of the academy <laughs> please, just pass. Pass. <laughs> please pass please pass <laughs> would you please pass mm. okay ultimately we all has parents who get great desire my son will be a prophet my daughter will be a prophet as this is finally <laughs> Please, Lord, would you save them? <laughs> would you save them? Would you just push them across the line over there? You will look back and you will realize because you read the Gospels and you see what hell is like. You don't want anybody to go over there. You don't want anybody to. So that is one thing you don't want to assume or presume that you will go to heaven. Don't assume because Apostle Peter says. You, you can make this thing very sure yes, and everyone who is saved should make it very sure by adding these things and in increasing measure that is what we should do increasing measure otherwise you'll be always sure 
No, exams are over. Will you? No, I don't know. Waiting for results. <laughs> the fellow who added all these things is very sure. He is wondering what what is his percentage. He is never worrying about marks, whether he will pass or not. No, so that is it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Also, Let's go. Another, qu- another related question. This is question number four. Hmm. Uh, again on prayer. Uh, on similar lines, why did it take Jesus three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane to break through? Why didn't the angels come immediately and comfort him? Surely, God was not holding out on his righteous, sinless man. Power was being released in the spirit to cause the breakthrough. So why, why? Now, uh, if you, if you, if you go into the, into the beginning of his ministry, right? In the beginning of his ministry. Okay. Uh, I think it is in Matthew. Where you have the temptation, we have in Matthew and you have in Luke, yeah. right? Yes. You have and verse eleven, Matthew four eleven. Matthew four eleven. The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Why did he have to God wait for forty days for his son to be ministered by angels? Okay, because there is a purpose behind everything, right? There's a purpose. You have to go through a test. And then you have to pass the test, and then you receive a reward. Okay, if you get the reward before the test, <laughs> that is what children want. <laughs> if you finish your chores, you'll get a chocolate. Can I have the chocolate now? <laughs> no. Finish your chores, okay? But that's not how God deals with children, okay? God says you finish it. So Jesus is going through this was his first test. I mean, he had many tests. We do not know much of it, but Bible says you was tempted at all, all points. points. So every point you can think about a human being can possibly go through, he was tempted, mm. but he did not sin. Mm. But here, if you come to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's going into his final test. Okay. If you go into that question, we'll go into that because we don't need to go into the portions because we are very familiar what happened there. Why did it take Jesus three hours in the garden of Gethsemane to break through? Because this is the one, this is the first time in his life on earth there's a conflict between his will and his father's will. Before that, you will never see him saying, asking something that is contrary to his father's will. Okay, you'll never ask him, asking to this thing. <laughs> Second, the father is, he in his prayer, what he says is, Father, could you take this cup away from me? What he says is the cup. You need to realize it is a cup. And the cup signifies many things for him and some things for us. His cup is not the same cup which the disciples had to drink. Mm-hmm. He said, yes, you will, but it is. Mm-hmm. Says, can you drink this? It's not the same cup. Though it was similar mm-hmm. in terms of the pain and the torture and the death they will go, that's only where the similarity begins and ends. Mm-hmm. But his cup is different. Mm-hmm. His cup is different. Because it also includes in this human form, in his physical form, he will have to go through it all. Okay, But more than that, no. Let me let me put it. I mean, honestly, even this morning I was reading. People need to read Isaiah fifty-three. I mean, that is the center of the redemption. Isaiah fifty-three. What happened to Jesus? 
we will never fully understand. If it is given to us, it is Isaiah 53. It's the most powerful chapter in the Old Testament of the redemption. Isaiah 53, okay? You will see everything, okay? You will see in verse verse 5 okay, of Isaiah 53. Okay? 5. He was, yeah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace, meaning for man to have peace with God, his sin has to be removed. So he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. He was chastised for my sins. And then by his stripes, we are healed. Okay. And if you, if you come further down, okay. Verse 10. 9 and 10. Let's look at 9 and 10. Then we'll understand, okay? Uh, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. That's how he looked. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering. We don't understand what was the offering on the cross was his soul. Not just his body. His body and his soul was offered to God as a peace offering. Okay. These are things which we don't understand. Look at verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay? This is what? Now you turn with me to the book of Revelation. This is Okay. The Holy if, of Holies. Okay. If you go to the mm. book of Revelation and come to verse 17. The chapter, the chapter, chapter 17, Revelation. Okay. Mm. okay. Verse 1 onwards. One of the seven mm. angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. With whom the kings of earth committed fornication, the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which is full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Did you see what was that cup? And this holy God had to drink from that cup. He had to drink from that cup. Because everyone who had drunk from this woman's cup, when they repented, the sin was put on him. And he had to drink from that cup. And his holy soul, remember he is without sin, his holy God repulsed at that whole idea. Whole idea. So you, we don't understand the struggle he went on this cross, on the Garden of Gethsemane. His will, his soul is going to be poured out and uh, he has to drink from this filth. 
He has to drink from this filth. The holy God, his soul, abhors it. He has to drink from this filth. And then, something that has never happened, eternity past, eternity present, eternity future, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have never been separated. No, all Israel, the Lord your God is one. There is going to be a separation. There's going to be a break in the Trinity when that comes upon him. And that is what he's actually crying for. Father, take this cup away from me. Mm. Father said, no, if I take this cup away from me, they will be lost. That's it. So you, have, you can choose. Either it is them, and I relieve you from this, or and they go to hell, or you go through this, and many of them will come this side, and they said, you will. So if we will never understand... That is what we are talking about. The cross we pick is not his mm-hmm. cross. Nobody can carry his cross. That's a cross no man can carry. That's why John weeps because nobody was found worthy, worthy to open the scroll. What is the, the hope one, for me? What the worth it? The lamb was that slain. was slain has been found worthy. So that is the battle that is going on. This is his final temptation, mm. the final temptation not to drink from that cup that Father has. So it takes three hours. Yes. It's not a diff- it is a miracle. It only took three hours. The battle that is raging in his soul. And we don't understand the next three days from the point he died. Mm. He goes down. down and proclaims, he goes, proclaims the gospel. He goes mm. over there. What all is mm. happening mm. over there? We do not know. Do not know. Actually, but he's becoming the way for us. And he has to. Because no man has gone this way before. Actually, on the Day of Atonement, there are two scapegoats. I mean, two goats. The one is cut for the, yeah. for, the for making reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And the other is sent away. Mm-hmm. And that is where, where uh, it's, it's a typology of Jesus going down and yeah. sp- he, proclaiming. He, be, he becomes both. He becomes both. He becomes, and one is he becomes the scapegoat of yes. our redemption. And he and takes the blame upon him. himself. And releases us. It's remarkable. So mm. it is, I mean, we will never, I mean, you have to go through Isaiah 53 over and over and over and over again to get mm. to the depth of it. I mean, we'll yeah. never get the full depth of it. Yes. But as much as is revealed to us and shown to us. The entire Bible is held together by Isaiah 53. Exactly. Mm. And that is where the Jews are not able to understand <laughs> Isaiah 53. And that's a stumbling block to them because it is in their Old Testament. Mm. And they are not able to reconcile with Isaiah 50. They still are not able to figure it out. They will come up with some junk. I, 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 I heard a testimony of this, uh, this evangelist to the Jewish people. He was also a Jew. So he has a stanak and he goes to a, he goes to a Jewish bookstore. And one uh, guy with an orthodox yamukha on his head and he's like, boss. and he says, uh, see, I just, have to, I just saw this, uh, uh, this pamphlet somewhere. Can you read this out for me? Mm. So he starts reading Isaiah 53. Mm. Then he says, uh, do you see this chapter? I mean, do you think it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? Mm. And that guy, the Jewish orthodox Jewish guy says, this is not from our Bible. It is in the, new, it's definitely from your your Christian Bible mm. in, in New Testament. And he opens it. He drops the book and he runs out of because he cannot reconcile. reconcile. <laughs> because apparently yeah. they have what, in every synagogue, there is a meeting called, I mean, they have to read through the scripture. There's a Torah portion and there's a half Torah portion. Mm. So when they read through the Haftarah portion, they come to Isaiah 52, they stop there and then start continuing from Isaiah 54. They'll, read, they'll stop reading Isaiah 54, they don't want to read it. Isaiah 53. You cannot reconcile. I mean, how do you reconcile with Isaiah 53? Because they, they don't want a suffering savior. 
Yeah, uh, prayer is no game. Even if you are a part of the prayer team, when others join you in prayer, you are not cheered on by spectators or coached coached by any experts. We do not get any trophies on this side of Jordan anyway. It's not likely we will get any credit at all. Prayer is work because a Christian cannot make a living without it. We cannot live a Christian life at all if we do not pray. Would you agree? <laughs> Your Absolutely. comments on this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, prayer is hard work, by the way. Okay, prayer is. hard work mm. okay prayer see uh, when paul uses this illustration about the church as a body and many parts and he says there are many parts of the body which are hidden but they are actually much mm-hmm. much more important mm-hmm. and valuable though we don't see Even. it like i never see my liver i hope not to see it <laughs> My lungs or heart or this thing, we don't see it. But we see our hands, we see the mirror of our eyes. But you know, you can live without both your eyes. Mm, But you cannot live without your liver. You can live without both your eyes. We have that that man, no, without the eyes and lips. He's a worldwide evangelist. You can live with a lot of things which you see. Mm. But there are some things which you don't see at all. But they are the ones that makes you alive and mm. keeps you alive and keeps you moving. In the same way, in the kingdom of God, there are people who pray. The church doesn't see them. We don't see them. But that is what is keeping the church moving. Mm. Okay. Now, if you look at it, ultimately rain came. restoration came prophets of baal were killed all kind of things happened why did it all happen because one man prayed mm. take man elijah out see if you come to king 17 and then take elijah out we don't know how to continue after that how do you continue after that because there's no elijah there is no elisha and then there is you don't know how to continue the chain stops mm. it stops honestly you take elijah that man out of that we don't know how to continue the bible yeah, because exactly. everything is connected to this one yeah, man exactly. and what does that man do he only prays so true <laughs> he only prays you take this praying man out the history of israel stops we don't know how to continue this we don't even know how it will have what would have happened to israel we don't know right wow. think about it or hmm. eli the high priest and if there is not a praying boy and a praying mother to begat a praying boy take that boy out now we don't know what is going to happen take samuel out take elijah out but take this simple people. people these are all praying people. people they didn't wield a sword they didn't do anything they didn't fight they didn't do any of these mm. things but ultimately at the core of it what they did was they just they were praying people you took take these cogs out of the machine the machine stops the machine stops but they are not visible they are not visible 
Elijah is visible because God brings him to the public and uses him to do something visible. Otherwise, you wouldn't have never seen him. Until he was projected, revealed to, to the Israel before the king, they didn't know him. They didn't know there was a man like that. There's nothing, nothing to show that he was known. But he just stands before the king and makes a proclamation. So we need to realize praying is a very, very difficult thing. To pray like that is not easy. To stay hidden and pray is not easy. It's very, but the rewards are there. Mm. The rewards are there. Now, if you don't see in Luke about Anna the prophetess, that she was married and very short while she became a widow and she's 80 plus years old and all those years. I mean, that's that one line about mm. Anna in the gospel according to Luke chapter 1. Chapter no? 2. Chapter 2, sorry. Chapter 2. No, chapter 1, chapter 1. Yeah, chapter it? 1, chapter 1, yes, yes. Chapter 1, where is? Where no, is? no, no, no. To present it in the temple. 236. 236. Mm. Yeah. 36, 36. Yeah, 37 is what stuns me. Okay, okay. Let's read from 36. Okay. 2, 2, no, not 2, 1. 236, Sorry, not 1. 2, 36. Now, there was one. There was one, Anna, <laughs> a prophetess, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of 84 years. So we are not sure. Is she 84 years old? Or she's been a widow for 84 years? Yeah. Either way. Okay. 84. Anyway, old lady. Now, this is what is interesting. Who did not depart from the temple? Who didn't depart from the temple? But served God with fastings and prayers. And how did she serve God? With prayer. By fasting and prayer. And she never left the temple. But you know she's a woman. Okay. I believe the, the model the church in the book of Acts took is from the model that was in the temple. temple yes. That if they were widows who had nobody to take care of them, they had a quarters kind of poor people can live there where they were fed with the offerings and whatever. So they lived over there. So I believe she's living over there. But she never left. She never left. She can't do anything in the temple because she's a woman. She cannot go anywhere. But she, she can go out. But she chooses not to go out. She lived in the temple. Lived of whatever, and she lived most of her life fasting, and she had given her life over to fasting and prayer. Okay, and you have to look at these people and say, "Wow, what a challenge!" You know, and there are people like that everywhere in the world who know their job is this. They get into the closet, they eat a meal a day, sometimes not even that. They spend their entire life. They know this is what they have been called for, and they give themselves. Themselves. You know, I have a I have a sister who is eighty plus years old. Mm -hmm. Wife's elder sister, eighty plus years old. She got just saved a year or less than or more than a year back. Now she sleeps only four hours a day. And she prays. She prays four hours a day. As soon as they came, they understood. They are on fire for God and they're willing to go through any length for it and they're given their bodies over to be intercessors. And there are so many like that everywhere in our churches. We are, we are like musty. We don't realize we are floating on their prayers. 
there are people who have set themselves apart and all they do is they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray. Okay, and when we reach heaven, you'll see the rewards are great. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You're faithful in little things. All I asked you was to pray, but you prayed. You're very, very faithful. And it is not a little thing in the kingdom of God. It's a huge, even like, like we have heard this over and over again when the preachers from the U.S. came to U.K. and asked Spurgeon, what is the secret behind? I mean, you, you are so great. He opened that trap door on his platform and he said, look down. And there were over a hundred people down there praying while he was preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where he says, that's where the power comes from. I have a people who intercede for me all the time. You know, and that's what God is looking for. In Jesus' case, he had nobody to pray. Even on his last day, he asked them, would you stay up with me and pray? And they didn't pray. And he prayed for them. <laughs> he told Peter, I prayed for you. <laughs> he was desperate because he was going to, he's going through, he's going to go through his greatest battle and he needed prayer support. And they never prayed. They fell asleep. They never prayed. Okay. Later they realized and then they are praying and they says, we will not get distracted by it. There are different people to do all these things. We don't need to get distracted. A lot of people to do a lot of things and uh, they said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. We will give ourselves. We will not. Because you cannot. Because prayer the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word of God needs 100% attention. You cannot be distracted when you are in it. You cannot allow. That's why Jesus went up early in the morning. Second, he went to a deserted place and he spent that time. Because prayer is not easy. It is not easy. It is very difficult to cut through into that other realm. It is not easy. You need the word you need an atmosphere which has to be created. It has to be created to go into over there. That, that's why it's, it has to be a priority in our life because it was a priority in Jesus' life. We look at him. If he needed to pray like that, <laughs> if he needed to pray like that, then we need to ask ourselves, boy, if he needed to pray like that, how do I need to pray? Okay, if he needed so much, being the son of God, born of the Spirit, filled without measure. And this is how he prayed. Of course, his task is different from my task. I can never, <coughs> ever do his task. Okay, So his task is not my task. That does not mean you degrade, lower what is the prayer. Of course, in his case, he can never sin. So his prayer is different from ours different from ours, but his prayer is then, and God answered his prayer. But now we are sinners, but now we are saved, and our zeal should be the same thing, Lord. Let me not sin. Let me not sin, Lord. Help me, help me, Lord. Let me not sin. Okay? That's his prayer. That's his prayer. And then he has to hear, and he goes through the day, the strength of his prayer. If I, I read his life, and I look through it, more I see it, I'll see that the kind of challenges Jesus had to face, no man will ever face to heal the sick, deliver the oppressed, still waves and sea and feed, everything, the demonic, the natural, everything he's handling with all blinking, absolutely blinking, in the same body like mm. ours. He's not doesn't have a different body. So he gets tired when he sleeps in the middle of a storm. He takes cat naps. So he's equally tired like us, but he never changes his schedule. 
And if you see how he handles all this pressure, the answer is, is his prayer life. Prayer life. He's entirely empowered by his prayer life. One is his spirit. That's what. Who is a spiritual man? A spiritual man is a man who is completely under the authority of the word of God. Mm. And two, completely under the authority and the leading of the, the Holy, Holy spirit. spirit. And this both happens by the word and through prayer. Absolutely. And therefore he can be fast asleep. And they wake him up and say, don't you see? And he's able to still. He doesn't have to pray. doesn't have to pray. Mm. We need to ask, how is he able to do it? It's because of what he did in the beginning. That's where he started. Mm. That's what. And he takes through it through the day. And then back again next morning, early morning, he's back and prayed. And there are certain times he realizes that's not enough. He sends them and he goes and prays through the night and then comes in the back in the morning. Okay. Now, if you ba- look back into 2000 church history, you will see the great, great men of God whom God used. That was their life. They hardly slept. Hmm. They hardly slept. And they spent hours and hours in the presence of God. And then they came out and you could see the difference they make. And they were not glamorous men and they were not before TV, but they all shook their own generation. All shook their generation. And they were all praying men, and that is why we have to look at. See, all these things is not possible unless we go by the first thing: seek ye first the kingdom of God. Mm. If the kingdom of God is not first, well, primary, yes. primary, then these things will not happen. Mm. You know, for Jesus, his father's kingdom and his father's will was first, and then the others understood. Mm. And there, if for us this world is first and life on the world is first, it is not possible. That's why he does not say, pick up your cross first. Deny yourself. He says, deny yourself. Mm. He doesn't say, pick up the cross. Because everybody in the world who succeeded has picked up a cross. He sacrificed. Sacrifice, Pastor Vijay, to get into triple IIT, no, to, to IIT Kanpur, did he sacrifice? Of course he sacrificed. Because he won't get it. He won't go in through MSET. Dr. Richard sitting over there, he won't clear and reach that level if you're not willing to pick up a cross. So he does not say pick up a cross. Because everybody in the world, whoever wants to achieve, whether you're an athlete or sports or entertainment, whatever it is, everybody picks up a cross if you want to go up. It's not possible otherwise. You'll wake up early in the morning, sit till the night, you will do all kinds of things because you're picking up a cross. He doesn't say that. He says that cross is for yourself. That's not what I'm asking you. He says, first you deny yourself and then pick up the cross for me. Mm. Pick up the cross for me. Then there is a paradigm shift. Then why should I do it? Now everything changes. For self, people are willing to pick up a cross. But to pick up a cross, not for yourself, but for another. It's a different thing. It's a different ball game altogether. And that's where it starts. That is a starting point. This denial of self is a starting point, not picking up the cross. Don't get it wrong. Not picking up the cross. Picking up the cross comes second. You can deny yourself and still not pick up your cross. Hmm. He says, deny yourself and then pick, pick up, up the, the cross. cross. So it's not about you, it's about me. And that's how we went through his life. It is not about me, it's about my father. I will not do anything that I haven't seen or heard my father doing. I have come here to do his will and not mine. 
He denied himself. That's why he wouldn't even receive honor. Mm. Somebody calls it wouldn't receive. Mm. He wouldn't receive honor. He says no. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it has to come from him first, not from man. That's how it works. But yes. Even in the case of uh, Anna. <coughs> She was a very young widow when she started off in the temple, right? Pastor? Yeah. So that means even like uh, Timothy says, he says, yeah. Timothy says, the woman who lives for pleasure, she's dead even, dead, when, dead even, even while, while she, she's she living. living. But she was like... Uh, and he says, they should get married. And mm-hmm. she chose, I'm not getting married. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave the temple. I will live here. Mm-hmm. I will live here. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to fast and pray. What is all about? All about Christ. Mm-hmm. If you look at her fasting. Okay, go. Let's read. We'll see what is he fasting and praying for. Okay, verse thirty-eight. What is those thirty-eight? Yeah, mm-hmm. and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke, spoke of, him of him to all those who looked Look for, for redemption, redemption in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Wow. So that was what she was waiting for. She was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, and she spoke. Only to those who are expecting it. To the others, you cannot speak to them. Mm. Though they may hear, they are not hearing. There are a set of people who are longing for the appearance of Jesus Christ Mm. in a crowd. There are hundreds and hundreds of people coming into the temple. And among them is a group who is actually longing for the consolation of Jerusalem. Right? Their redemption of India. And they told them, this is the redemption. Here it is. The redemption is here. Now she cannot point to something which people are looking hmm. for if she herself was not, not seeking for it. it. Yeah. She was the one who was seeking most. So to her, that revelation was given so hmm. that she could show it to the others who were seeking it. That is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works. It is not random. It is not random. God sees what we don't see. God sees what we don't see at all. God is not making random choices. God knows exactly what he's saying. He tells on Mount Horeb, he comes to tell Elijah, and says, Elijah, you come, you go down, and while you're going down, go there. There's a young man, the son of Shaphat. Put a mantle on him. Elijah doesn't know Elisha from a hole in the wall. <laughs> He has no clue that there is a young farmer, a farmer's son, whose heart is seeking and longing for God. God has seen it. And he says, you know, he's the one who will succeed you. Mentor him. Did anybody know? No heart. Even his father had no clue. Nobody had any clue. About David. Did anybody know? His father had no clue. His mother had no clue. The brothers had no clue. The prophet had no clue. Hmm. nobody had any clue. But what this boy was doing in the wilderness, God was watching. Hmm. That's what he's talking about. For everyone who looked for the redemption of Israel, Jerusalem. God knows, God sees. So these are things which are in secret. And many of these people, like unlike Elijah or Elisha or David and all, will not be revealed to us now. It will be revealed to us in heaven. These are the people that made my kingdom to come to pass on earth. And we will look at all these big TV stars and find nobody there Hmm. in that list. We will see people whom we had no clue existed standing up here, all popping up over there. And God says, these are the ones who made it pass, come to pass. And that is where we have to be very, very careful. You discover all this. You Hmm. need these two things. If you have to discover your purpose on earth, one is the word of God. The other is your prayer closet. From your side, 
Okay, but in both this, there has to be surrender to the word, the authority of scriptures, and to the authority, the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Not authority, lordship. Lordship is a bigger word than authority. The authority of scriptures and the lordship of the Holy Spirit, these two. And that's how Jesus' life begins when we see him. If you go into Luke, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Matthew 4, 1. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's being led. As many are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Can you be led by the Spirit into the wilderness? To be tempted for the, by the devil and he fast there for 40 days and 40 nights. That's leading. That is leading. That is leading. Because the Spirit is saying, I cannot reveal you to the world. Until you have gone through this process, you have to be tested. You have to be proved. Once you have proved, I will send you out with power. But first you have to be proved. And when you have to you have to be proved. He says yes. He goes. And he's proved. He comes through. And then it says he came now in the power of the Holy Spirit and immediately he starts preaching. And when he starts preaching, you know what's the first thing he says? You, know, you will see in his even in his temptation, two things are there. One he first, by that very word, he was led up, meaning the lordship of the Holy Spirit. And when he is tempted, he brings out the authority of scriptures. It is written. That's a spiritual man. The lordship of the Holy Spirit and the authority of scriptures. You don't have these two, these things. We, we are saved. We will not go much further. So these are two fundamental things. The lordship of the Holy Spirit and the authority of scriptures. And it is what he says. He is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he says, it is written. It is written. And when he stands before the congregation or when he sits down, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. He accepts first, acknowledges first the Lordship of the Holy Spirit before he reads the word. Mm. The Lordship and the authority of Scripture. And he says, now it is fulfilled. And this is how it works. This is how it works. And this is our daily battle. It's a daily battle. It does not finish in one day. It's a daily battle. Today is good. We'll finish well. We'll go to sleep tomorrow morning when you wake up. Mm. What is the first battle? It's the Lordship of the Holy Spirit over yourself. Here, Lord, I am. Here I am. It's not about understanding. We don't understand everything what he says. Mary did not understand. How I mean, she, she had no clue. But she said, I don't understand the Holy Spirit will overshadow. She didn't understand anything. But <laughs> here I am, your handmaiden. Let it be unto me according, according to your word. That is where it comes. That issue has to be settled first. As long as we haven't settled that issues, we will struggle. In our life with God, <laughs> even you may do well in the world, but you will this side will always struggle. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's another very important, uh, very similar question again. Question number seven. <coughs> question number seven on intercession. intercession. Intercession releases the Holy Spirit to hover around an individual, enveloping that person with his power and life, bringing conviction of sin and breaking the strongholds. We are his birthing vessels, his incubation chambers. He desperately wants to release his creative birthing power through us, bringing forth the fruit of Calvary. He wants to use us in lifeless, fruitless, desolate, barren situations, releasing his life into us. Why do we resist the power? Why do we not let him have his way? Is it because we get frustrated waiting? 
Sir, don't mind me asking you who wrote who gave this question. I'm trying to think who wrote. It's from US. Okay. It's either from New York or I'm not very really sure where this question came. But from US, I know it's from US, and uh, not Canada, but US. And uh, see, it is also not. I mean, waiting issue comes only in the beginning. But as we mature in the Lord, we will realize you cannot speed God mm. or you have to learn to move at his pace. Mm. He does. You will start understanding time in a different dimension. But here, um, see, uh, everybody asks for we just casually use these terms like double portion, right? <laughs> okay. How did Elisha die? Of a sickness. He did die of a sickness. Because of the double portion. The weight of God's glory upon your life, on this body upon your life, this frail body upon your life, and to do his will will cost you. cost you. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy. And they're all intercessors. And then they go out. It's not easy. People just randomly use use words. It is not easy to live like that. You look into human history and see people who are very powerfully anointed and see how long they lived. They died very early. Because you cannot handle, this body cannot handle the weight of his glory. They don't live long. And they don't live well. They don't live well. You need to realize that's the truth. You think this body can handle God's glory? It cannot handle glory. When you're asking for a double portion of what are you asking for? What are you asking for? What are you asking for? Okay, but that's when that's what you're talking about. That's why Romans twelve doesn't talk about the soul or the spirit first. It talks about the body. He says, "Offer your body." It's like joining the army. Hmm. Hmm. Joining the army. One of the first things before you join the army, before even training begins, before you do anything, you sign a paper which saying that even during training, if you die, you will not hold the army responsible. Okay. Now we are not holding God responsible. We are handing over our body to be used in whichever manner He pleases. Whichever. We take our hands of our life. And God may choose to use it in whichever way He wants. On the other side is a different picture altogether. Now I'm not talking about the other side. We are talking about this side. Paul was a man who offered his body as a living sacrifice. And do we really want to go through what he went through? Do we really like reading the list of what he went through? We don't. But why did it happen to him? You know why it happened to him? Because he surrendered his body. He never turned back. He could have turned back from any of his mission trips and half the things that happened to him would not have happened. But mm. he never turned back. You know why he never turned back? Because he was a surrendered vessel. Mm. And he knew right, he's one of the few people in God's kingdom who knew right in the beginning what he would go through and never turn back. Yet, yes, mm-hmm. Because if you look at Acts chapter 9, God tells him right in the beginning, third day into salvation, 
he is told, you will suffer for me. You will stand before kings, but you will also suffer for me. And he never turned Don't back. That is the surrender we are talking about. That is where it comes. See, intercessors are all part of it. Because a person like Anna is a true intercessor, where the Holy Spirit is saying that, one, I don't want you to leave this place. Mm. Two, I want you to fast. Three, I want you to pray. Mm. Who wants to live a life like, like that for 50 years? <laughs> hmm. And Lord, and? Well, no hands. That's it. That's it. Will the high priest call me? He won't even know who you are. Will I be used in the temple? You cannot be used in the temple. When will I be used? One day, for one day. Imagine fasting for 60 years for one day. Bah, that was more. <laughs> yeah. Just think about it. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay. See, Olympics and all people train for 44 yeah. years for one day, this thing, okay? There is medal, glory, lights, everything, and then all the governments give them this thing and that thing and reward. Nothing for Anna. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Rewards are all on the other side. For one day, is she going through it all? You know what? That day is that day. Even Simeon, look at what Simeon says. Now, I can depart. Everything was for one day mm. in their lives. One day. We don't know what God did with them. We have no clue. Nothing is written in scripture. <laughs> but if you look at their entire life, everything is for one day. Okay. Simeon says, my eyes have seen. Now, Lord, allow your servant to depart. Okay. And she is standing there. And then when Jesus comes, she gets a revelation. She says, you know what? She said, the consolation has come. All of you, this is this is it. The Messiah has sin come. And if you look at it, if your heart is for the king and the kingdom, you're overflowing. You know, you have fulfilled life's purpose. It is done. It is done. You know? That is how it happened. After that, it does not matter, matter because, mm. you know, it's like you have reached your peak. Reached your peak. Okay, this is what is about. On Mount Moriah, Abraham reached his peak. After that, it does not matter what happens to him. He reached his peak. That's why God covers those men and he's upset with uh, Canaan and uh, Ham and not with Noah. He says, you going out and review talking about your father? Do you know what your father went for 600 years for me? Do you know what your father went for me? Do you know what he went through the last 120 years? This man never looked back. He has never seen a rain. He has never seen a drop. He had everybody against him and nobody for him. And he stood there and he heard from me and he built 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 and he built. Okay, he gets drunk and he uncovers yourself. Who the heck are you to judge him? Do you know this man? Okay. Do you know what he has come through? And that's the same thing with Abraham. Which man will lift his knife up? Tie his son onto the altar. Tie up and says, here, Lord. And God says, stop. No praying, no intercession. Lord, I'm crying out, spare my son. Nothing. He looks it up. And God says, stop. Mm. And he says, now I know you fear me. Blessing, I shall bless you. Multiplying, I shall multiply. It all comes from that. You know? So we look back and we look at all these people. It's who Elijah cut and ran from, from Jezebel. God says, <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? That guy with who ran, I'm going to send an angel, feed him, take him up, speak to him softly, 
comfort him and send him back and one day take him in glory because you have no clue what he did for me you have no clue what he went through all alone exactly he went it all alone there was nobody to stand with him he stood alone there were others hiding in caves they were hide hiding but he was hid by me they were hid by men i hid them these are different people of a different caliber and then he comes and says of all this the greatest was john the baptist he was hid in the desert for 30 years, years. Six for a six month ministry never changed his message no miracle no power no healing no deliverance nothing repent the kingdom of god is here but to speak that message and for crowds to turn to prepare the way for jesus it took 30 years to prepare when can we compare to these people who can we compare to these people and these are intercessors these are all intercessors Like, and it took an old man called Zachariah, an old woman called Elizabeth, barren all these years and still worshipping God and still to birth this child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you look at what were the parents? What did it take God to do these parents to birth a son like this? And then to get a son like that and then give him over to God that you don't see him for the next so many years in the desert. What does it take Abraham and Sarah to birth a child in old age and then raise the knife before him? Mm. It's a different caliber these people are mm. all together and that's what God is talking about you know so we do not know this is not like what you see on tv <laughs> this is not you know, these are a different breed of people you know breed of people i do not know how would they would have survived in today's tv age i don't think they would have been bothered with tv also either So that's what God uses. God uses, but it's not any changes. <laughs> so Elijah is going to come back faster <laughs> <laughs> in the TV age. <laughs> this is not who we are. This is not who we are. Pastor, because you're talking about Elijah, I think you should you should you should uh, tackle this question. This is question number one. I think it's uh, it's been there for a while now. Okay. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses was present representing the law. Elijah was present representing the prophets. the legal standard was there and the prophetic standard was there too but the two who throughout the old testament dispensation was qualified to speak were put to silence by god what would you say about this on the mount of transfiguration okay i'll give you two verses because in the mouth of two witnesses two scriptures at least we need first we'll go to romans chapter 3 and verse 21 and 22 Now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe for there is no difference a righteousness of God apart from the law mm-hmm. look at verse 21 apart from the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets who is the law there moses. moses who is the prophet there elijah so both the law and the prophets is witnessing jesus that is the purpose of the law and the prophets to point jesus out mm-hmm. that's why god told shut him out listen to my son because mm-hmm. you don't understand both moses and elijah's purpose was to reveal my son mm-hmm. okay that is the revelation okay then if you come to let me give you that verse colossians uh 2 16 and 
Colossians 2.16. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are all connected with the old covenant. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Christ. Everything in the Old Testament, it was just a shadow. shadow. But when the substance has come, the shadow loses its meaning. It's, it's served its purpose. Mm. The shadow has served the purpose. Moses has served his purpose. Elijah has served his purpose. All of them have served his purpose. Now what it is, it is Christ has come. If you go to the book of Hebrews, right, that's how he, sorry, Hebrews begins, right? Yes. Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. And three, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Mm. Who was the prophet? Moses was the prophet. Elijah was prophet. But in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. So that's what it's talking about. See, Moses' only purpose is to point Christ. And that's the final words of Israel. God will give you another prophet just like me. You be very careful to obey him. <laughs> it is not like me. You mess with him, you are in trouble. Okay? You are in trouble. And this is the job of all the prophets. What is but what is happening if you go into first Peter? Okay. Peter will explain it very well. Okay. Chapter one was Okay. Chapter 1, we read from yeah, verse 5 onwards, or 6 onwards, we can, okay. We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. On that day when we stand before God, all of us in us, Christ will be revealed. Not that we will be revealed. Christ will be revealed. How much of Christ grew on us? How Christ will be revealed. Okay? And then verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. What is the end of our faith? The salvation of the soul. Now if you come to verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Of this salvation, both Moses, from Enoch onwards, Abel and Enoch, they were all prophesying about this salvation, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. You see, every time any one of these people, I'll give you, I'll give you a picture. Go to Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. And he said, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me. This is how it works. This is how it works. Okay? This is how it works. 
when the word comes, when the word comes, the spirit enters. The spirit waits. The spirit is hovering. It does not work until the word comes. When he spoke, the spirit comes. Okay? The spirit comes. That is different. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it is. So when the spirit enters, what the person speaks is a different thing altogether. So it can be Hannah. It can be Elizabeth. It can be Mary. And they sometimes even have don't understand even what they are saying fully. Mm -hmm. Because the spirit has entered and it is God speaking through them. So you have the song of Moses. You have Hannah's song. You have Elizabeth speaking. You have Mary speaking. It's not they speaking. Mm. The spirit entered and spoke through them. Yes. And the same thing happens on the other side. Words and spirits. When a man loses his anger and says all kind of things, a, so spirit, mm. a spirit has entered. Mm. A little later he's calm. And we're wondering, what's wrong with you? It is a different spirit. Because the spiritual realm empowers. Empowers. That's how it happens. And that is where it happens. Okay. Now if you go to First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. Okay. First Kings chapter 17. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be. So who is speaking? It's not Elijah who is speaking. Mm. Where is he standing? Before, the, before God. Mm. Before God. Mm. Read it carefully. And before man. He has already entered into the presence of God in his prayer closet in that realm. The Spirit of God has entered him and now he is mouthing the words through the Spirit. It will not rain. It's not Elijah speaking. It is God speaking. Through Elijah. And he shuts the heaven. That's how it works. That's how it works. And that is not easy. That is not easy. That's where the prayer closet comes. That's got, that has got nothing got to do with the word. Though the word is the one defines everything. That's got to do with the prayer closet. That's why these people were men of prayer. And Jesus was a man of prayer. That's what's happened in the prayer closet, that you bring it with you. You have heard. And then when you have heard, when you stand, when you speak, the Spirit enters and speaks through you. And once the Spirit has spoken through you, it's not your word. And Samuel, young Samuel, as a boy onwards, his mother had taught him to a praying man and a praying young boy. And that's why the Word of God says the words of Samuel did not fall to the ground. Why? It was not the words of Samuel. It was the words of God through him. Cannot fall to the ground. God's words cannot fall. My words, your words will all fall. But when God speaks through you or me, it cannot fall to the ground. Mm. It cannot. Because God has spoken. When it will happen, we do not know. But it will happen. Where it will happen, when it will, how it will happen, we do not know. But it will happen. Even when he spoke, he had no. These years, he did not know how many years. He had no clue. It's at the end of three and a half years, he told, now go present before Eli, before Ahab. And that's how it happens. And the same thing in the demonic realm. In the demonic realm, those who are into occult, they make things happen. How do they make things happen? Because through incantation, and finally, they will get the spirit to come in and they will speak. And then the spirits make those things happen. That is sorcery. But Pharaoh cannot do anything about it. When Moses comes and says, let us fight, that's a different thing. He throws the rod. It is a different realm together. Pharaoh doesn't. He's called Potiphar. Call the general of the army. He doesn't call those people. Potiphar, of course, in a different age. He doesn't call. He says, call the sorcerers. 
call the sorceress. Because this is from another realm and Pharaoh can't do anything about it. But he has people under him who can do about it. Mm. No? And they use sorcery. Mm. They use and replicate the whole thing. It's a battle from that time, from the time Israel had to get out of Egypt. Yeah, till Jesus mm. comes back. This battle is going to continue. Mm. And that's what the Bible says in Revelation 2. They overcame him. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. That is what Jesus did. But how did they personally overcome? Through the word of their? What was that? That is when the Spirit entered and spoke through them. And the enemy has no answer to that. But what was the condition for that to happen? They did not love their lives even unto death. They were surrendered vessels. Absolutely surrendered. They had taken the hands off and says, you can do whatever you want to do with me. I have taken my, I have signed, given my life over to you. Mm. I look at you and I know where my victory comes from. It comes from what you did for me. And two, I'm a vessel here. You can speak through me. That is their word of testimony. Devil has no answer. Devil can bring all his demons. He can bring his 400, 900 prophets of Baal on the temple. They can jump. They can use a sorcery, incantation, cut. Blood can flow like crazy. They can do everything. But they are not able to move the other realm because Elijah, God through Elijah has shut it down. Mm. They can't do anything over there. But he needed an Elijah for that. And he, that Elijah cannot be manufactured. <laughs> It takes years and years wow. to get a man like that. So when that man runs, we get upset. God is not upset. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I understand. He asked him. He, that's why the Bible is all. These are all fundamental lessons to us. He's not there in the earthquake. He's not there in the wind. He's not there in the fire. He comes and speaks to him in a very gentle whisper. And he asks him, what are you doing here? Then tells him, Go back the way you came. I understand. You are at the breaking point. You need a companion. Somebody to be with you. I know you had that widow's son and all, but he can come back from dead. Some people can come back from dead and still have no zeal for God. It's true. <laughs> Miracles have experienced. No zeal for God at all. <laughs> what more can God do to you? <laughs> Do you have the body, not the zeal, though. <laughs> do, you, do you read in the account of Jesus Christ yeah. when he's on the cross and then there was Lazarus standing and looking at him? You don't see Lazarus anywhere. Lazarus is gone. Lazarus is gone. Four days dead, come back, you don't see him. <laughs> though church history says... Uh, he was going to Cyprus. Cyprus and Cyprus. he died because I heard there's a library over there with a plaque in Cyprus which says Lazarus never smiled. Because mm. after going to the other <laughs> side to paradise, he came back here. There was nothing worth smiling for. <laughs> okay. So that is another story. Okay. But what he was probably upset that he was back. <laughs> okay, so that is these are different different kind. Okay, but that's where the, the scripture and these testimonies of this great. That's what the Bible says. We have this cloud of witnesses. Therefore, put away what is that? Wait. Every weight, because in the walking with God. You will have to put off weights. Mm. Sin, yes, easily. That we sin, we it's understand so. because we are very careful. We understand. <laughs> we fight. But it is not sin. Weights. That that affects a saint. These are the weights that mm. affects the weight. And that is what, see, for sin, it's prayer. 
for weights it's fasting oh literally <laughs> you lose weight what do you lose weight okay. fasting gets rid of weight thank you lord other weights no fasting gets thank rid of you lord fasting helps not mm. reducing your physical weight it does okay but more than that the weights in your life because like you need to realize i mean these are all illustration paul uses you know I and mean, you look at Uh, this especially of all the high point of an olympics is that 100 meter men's Man, yes. and women's 100 meter that's it that <laughs> is the high point of olympics that's the sinorso the most to watch this usually this exactly. 100 meter mm. dash you look at that people <laughs> there is everything you look there from top Up to, to bottom haircut it from their haircut, haircut to their shoes, shoes yeah. it is to see there is least the resistance, resistance. Mm. every weight is taken off every way because the winning gold medal is by a fraction, fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second and your hair can see that you don't even get the bronze the lightest everything is custom made for them even their shoes and all is custom made for them absolutely custom made to see the lightest the best least resistant why because they are running the most important race of four years mm-hmm. okay and that's the weight you know race we are put in a race the bible says in three places we are put in a race and in that race god says there are two things you need if you are in that race watch out for these things this sin can which can easily entangle isn't that that word that is yes. used yes. romans uh, sorry hebrews, hebrews 12 and verse 1 you know 12 12 1 2 12 Therefore also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us aside every weight, weight. and sin. not sin and the sin the sin which so, so easily ensnares no it's it's a very important specific hmm. everybody has one hmm. or two particular yes. sins which ensnares them very easily <laughs> because they have indulged in it for a long time yes. so their flesh is weak to that mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> watch out for that sin. there are many sins over there which doesn't bother many people doesn't bother them at all but some sins each one will have one or two mm. it easily ensnares yes. that one they know they give into it very fast and just be careful about that one. so easily so be careful about that one. so there is every weight Every weight, <laughs> okay. Every weight you have to be careful about, whether it is on your hair or your shorts or your T-shirt or your shoes or your so- even your socks, <laughs> cannot be heavy, okay. Every weight, and that's sin because you already dealt with sin. That doesn't bother. If you honestly look at a believer who is growing or grown, most sins don't affect that person, man or woman. But if he or she is honest, you will say. keep falling into that same sin mm. that has too much hold over me mm. it doesn't have to be a terrible vice or anything yes. just easily fall into it which wastes a lot of yes which yeah. easily ensnares and what happens it becomes a trap in the race okay because in a race like i said in a race uh, remember yesterday's was it yesterday yeah yesterday was yeah Yesterday was about Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday we looked at these three things, right? 
time ability we won't use the term talent because talent means a talent show ability and resources let us make it simple because now words have to be careful how we use what it meant then and what is interpreted today may be different we are all given with a specific amount of time and nobody knows how much it is and it doesn't matter whether it is long or short that is not the point god has given us time he has given us ability and god has given us resources the problem is that sin that easily ensnares each time yes we lose time yes it's time absolutely mm. okay you want to prove from scripture and go to second samuel go to second samuel chapter verse 26 chapter chapter 12, 12 verse 26 and 27 now job fought against raba of the people of amnon and took the royal city and job sent messengers to david and said i have fought against raba i have taken the city's water supply yes and therefore gather the rest of the people together and come against the city and take it lest i take the city and it be called after my name now read it. chapter 11 verse 1 verse 1 it happened in the spring of the year at a time when kings go out to battle that david sent job and his servants with him and all israel and they destroyed the people of ammon and besieged raba but david remained at jerusalem and for 10 months or 11 months job is still there unable to take the city mm. because this man has been ensnared by a sin, sin. Mm. until that sin is overcome he can't win as soon as sin is handled over there he wins how many months have gone by one year mm-hmm. one year has gone by mm-hmm. easily ensnared mm-hmm. the most spiritual man in the whole covenant man who loved god ensnared and time is gone by one year is gone by mm-hmm. resources are gone by ability is wasted yep, yep. to keep an army under siege put a city under siege you know the amount of resources that has to go supply going on feeding these people constant battle is going on one year like you look at i mean look at our own time vladimir putin thought it was a cake walk now how many now ukraine is with a back against the wall they got six weeks left in six weeks they should be able to push the russians out or the winter sets in and it's going to be a long drawn out this thing when the winter comes okay and in 6 weeks america may have a new congress and a senate the congress decides the money bills and the new congress doesn't want to send money to ukraine and say it is europe's battle let them fund that battle why are they always piggy riding on our back you know what ukraine will lose because they are fighting and winning only because of the american weapons okay american weapons and if that supply stops so you suddenly realize you know what you are racing against time mm. ability resources <laughs> same thing happens over here and that is a sin that easily entangles easily entangles and you get distracted and you go it can be either pleasure or it can be either pressure mm. these are easily okay easily entangled okay i mean just look simple even in a simple day to day incident jesus has come to your house i mean jesus has come to your house and he's sitting there he's teaching your sister comes down and she sits at his feet and he's all listening and you're over there 
and immediately a sin entangles. You are upset with your sister. Mm. Upset with your sister. So easily she's irritated with a person. And you're so irritated with that person, the entire purpose of the meeting is lost on you. And who's come to teach you? Jesus yes. has come. Who has he come? To your home. Mm. He's not teaching by the wayside. He's not teaching by the seaside. He's not teaching in the streets. He has come into your yes. house and he's teaching. And you're not able to listen a word. Why? Because so easily it entangled him. These are things that entangle us very well. Easily. Okay, And these are things which are talking about. Which God is talking about. And you need to realize when you see stuff like that happening, you need to realize this is something which Martha struggled with. Concentration. No uh, issue with her sister. Mm. Because you need to realize she had an issue with us. We don't know what the issue is. She had an issue with her sister. Because it's directed at the sister. sister yeah, yeah. Mm. Directed at the sister. Okay, It's been probably going and that day it just came out, mm. burst out. So these are the, the devil knows us very well. The spirits know us well. There's nothing hidden. They have been following us for the, your personal demon has been following you. He knows you all. And there's a very important moment in your time. Jesus has come into the picture and he's going to minister. This could be the day of your breakthrough and the devil sets you up. How did he set you? With a weight. With a sin that very easily ends in it. Changes your attention from him and focuses on a person sitting over there. And before you know, message is over, the anointing is gone, and you are still there, and you haven't, haven't been delivered. These are things we have to be very, very careful because the Lord is there. The power of the Lord is there to heal. Him. Him, yeah. And that is where we have to be always be focused, absolutely focused. And that's why it says after that. And then how do we done? What do we need? Endurance. Endure. Endurance is that key word over there. We have to endure because it's an endurance race. A hundred meters is not an endurance. It's only on speed. This marathon is an endurance race. It's an, an, Christian life is an endurance race. Until he who endures till the end shall be saved. Not that your salvation is talking about being saved to the point of being utterly saved. He's able to utterly save them, those who come to him, through him. That's Hebrews 7.25. He completely save us. If we have to be completely saved, the totality of our soul, is able to save to the uttermost those who come to, to God through Him. What Since do we need? What do we need? We need endurance. Yes. The endurance to never quit this race. Yes, the endurance to never quit your prayer closet. Yes. The endurance never to question the authority of scriptures. Never in whatever circumstances. Not like Job's wife, but like Job. Whatever happens, I will not question God. I may ask, Lord, why is that happening? But I will never question your right to allow anything to happen to yes. my life. Because you know what? Like I said, it's a question of ownership. Yeah. It's only one honor. You own me. Lock, stock, barrel. I may ask you, why is this happening? Did I do something wrong? Do I need to make corrections? Are you trying to teach me a lesson through it? All that questions is fine. The other question is Zachariah. Zachariah's question, 
This is the spirit of God speaking through an angel. You doubt him, you will not speak until the baby is born and you <laughs> see it. <laughs> but Mary is not a question of this. How is this going to happen? She is not saying, this cannot happen. How? I don't understand. How is this? He said, this is how it looks. He said, let it be accounted. So these two are two different cases within a space of a few months. Two different people. You should have actually expected faith from Zachariah yeah. and unbelief and reluctance from Mary. Yeah, actually, it is the other way around. Mm. She's the one of faith. And she said, let it be unto me according. She's the one who's going to go through a crisis if this happens. This man is going to get glory if he comes out and says, I saw an angel. And the angel told this, my wife is going to come. Imagine what he would have been if he had just believed. He comes out and said, you know what? I saw an angel. The angel said in my old age, my wife is going to bear. And then the wife bears. Everyone would have hailed him as a great prophet. This fellow did not believe. <laughs> <laughs> he had nothing to lose by believing everything, everything to gain. She had everything to, to lose by believing. Mm. She believed. Okay, this is how we need to look at look at life. When the spirit speaks, believe. Amen. Believe. Believe. When he speaks, believe. Okay, because that is where faith comes. Ultimately, faith actually means you believe God. Mm. The when and the what and the how and all, you leave it to God. I believe you. It is beyond my prayer grade to tell you how to do it. If you tell me, thank you. When also, I don't know. If you tell me, thank you. Hmm? These are things which is beyond. Because if you look through the Bible, the kind of things which people told things God told those people at their times, there was no way they could understand. Yes. They just believed. I mean, Noah has never seen rain. Noah has never seen a flood. Noah has never seen any of those things. Okay? But he believed. See, after that all opened, he would have said, thank you Lord for the grace to believe. I had no clue what this was like. Is this like every one of them? And if you, Abraham is told that in 99 you will have a child, your wife will bear. Of course, Sarah laughed. Okay, and the man won't laugh, the woman will laugh. The last time she had a period was 50 years ago. Mm. That's what after the natural course of this thing, she's an old woman. Everything is, but God renewed her body, made her young. That's why she becomes again beautiful. And the kings are looking at her, they renewed their bodies again. So resurrection power that is coming mm. into their lives. Renewed Abraham and renewed her. Yes. And she's able to bear a child because when they heard it, they laughed. She laughed. Before that, he laughed. Then they believed and they did not stagger in unbelief after that. They believed. Because if you look at the things which God is telling them, it doesn't make any sense. Isaac being mm. told, famine, everything is a drought, everything is a dry, everybody is going to Egypt. You stay. You stay. Okay, and then you planned. <laughs> okay. And he did it. Okay, that's what you're talking about. You look at all the people in the Bible. When God is telling them something to do, it is not easy. It is not easy. Okay, it is one thing. Put your rod, okay, it becomes a snake. Pick it up, it becomes a rod. Put your hand, okay, it's leprous. Put it back, yes, now. Okay, now what? Now go to Egypt and get my people out. <laughs> <laughs> and take this stick with you. And nothing else, nothing else. 
they believed. <laughs> he believed. You think it was easy? <laughs> My God, it is not. He knows what Egypt is better than anybody else. He knows the power of Egypt. Mm. He was the commander of the Pharaoh's army. He's fought battles. He knows the power of Egypt. And he says, you'll go with this stick. And I will tell you what to do. He's not even telling him what he's going to do. I will tell you what he's to do. And each time, and the final is this, the, the toughest is this. Pharaoh is behind you, the Red Sea is. And God is saying, why are you crying? People I can understand, they have hardly experienced me. They crying is one thing. Why are you crying? Lift up that rod. That was unbelievable. He says, lift up the rod. And the Bible says, the Lord sent an east wind and he separated the sea. Okay, but imagine. He's not telling them anything. You're taking them a circuit, this road, <laughs> getting them to see dead end. He's not explaining why I'm. God doesn't have to explain. That is where faith comes. Faith means I trust you. I trust your wisdom. I trust your power. I trust your understanding. I trust your ways. Faith is a combination of so many things because we think he needs to explain to us. He said, dude, even if I explain, you will not understand. Actually, if God were to explain some of the things beforehand, we won't do it because we, we won't believe that is possible. <laughs> okay, what are you going to do? Moses, take this stick, okay? I'm going to do these 10 things with you through this with this stick. He says, no, that is not possible. Thank you, I am not coming. This itself was too difficult. <laughs> so he doesn't tell them. And then when he's taking him, I'm not taking you a short way, I'm taking you a long way. And this is what is going to happen. This Pharaoh and his army will come. And the Red Sea will, and you have to lift up the rod. And then the what? what God, take us through some other way. This is too much for me to take. Okay. He, it's good he doesn't tell us things which he says he's going to do. He doesn't explain to us. Then when it is all over, we understand. Oh, hallelujah. And our faith increases. Faith increases. That is the second one. We have a cloud of witnesses. Twelve two. Okay, though we have a, we have surrounded and then, but look unto Jesus. We have this cloud of witnesses, but to look and ultimately look unto Jesus. Because the greatest act of faith ever by anybody was when Jesus died on the cross. Died on the cross. That is the greatest act of faith. Because when he died on the cross, he absolutely, totally surrendered himself to his father saying, I trust you. Then I will come back. Mm. I'm trusting you that you will raise me up. That's why he says he committed his spirit. Mm. Then the spirit raised him from the dead. Raised him back after the dead. The very spirit. So that is it. Total, total. So that's why it's easy for us to die now. Because he died first. Mm. Nobody has come back from the dead before that. Please remember, nobody has come back <laughs> from the dead. You have resurrections and all, yes, but they well, died and went, mm. they went back again to to paradise, the portion of the, um, probably next to hell. Mm. No, they didn't go to heaven. He's the first one to come back from the dead and go to heaven. And that was done entirely by faith. So Jesus is saying, if this is the greatest barrier. And I cross that barrier for you. Now you can trust God. You don't have to worry. You can worry. And that is why wherever he went, if you look at it, wherever he went, and the apostles went and preached, the resurrection, people got upset. Yeah. She was with the resurrection. Ah. 
Because the resurrection they were preaching was not the resurrection that happened in Elijah's or Elisha's ministry. That was not the resurrection they were talking about. They were talking about an eternal resurrection where you will not die again. That was something they fought against. But that is where the fear goes. Eternal resurrection. Okay. That's called power of an endless life. Endless life. life. Forever. Death loses its power. Because what is what are we afraid of? I mean, all said and done, when we come to that point, unless we have grown and at that point comes to us, then if it were to come now, we would also get scared of death. If it comes now, it will get. But if we are prepared for it, spiritually prepared, but not physically, spiritually prepared for it, it won't bother us. It won't bother us. Bother us, no? Because we are just transiting. It's like a transit passenger on an international terminal. Transiting from one place to another. Okay, And there is a gap. right? And there are those terminals. Mm-hmm. There is a gap. You go through that. You get into the next thing. And you go. Just that. But the whole idea is, where do we get the confidence from? Because one man Rose came Rose. back. One man came back. <laughs> okay. That's why no, there is no testimony of the widow's son. Yeah, or mm. the other one. Because we do not know what they experience. Mm. We don't know. Maybe they were in a lifeless kind of a state where they had nothing. Even Lazarus, we don't know. There's no testimony. Because nobody wants to hear. I mean, God says, you don't have to hear a testimony about what happened in paradise. But that's not where you're going. Mm. That was before I overcame death. Death still had power over this paradise. The only thing we know about paradise is it is called Abraham's bosom. We don't know anything about paradise because why do you want to know about a place which doesn't exist anymore? Mm. That's not where you're going. Yes, you're going to heaven. Mm. That is where you are supposed to go. So he comes and he tells, this is what that place is like. I came from there, I went there, overcame death, and I went back there. And that's where I'm taking you. You know, Paradise, those who died and went to paradise still had to wait 4,000 years to escape paradise. And then he took them, captivity, captive. So now to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Lord is not there. The Lord is in heaven. heaven yeah. And in Revelation, we see the souls in heaven. Mm. They are not in paradise. Yes. Maybe paradise in itself was lifted up and taken exactly. to heaven. We, don't, to we, don't, know. Captive, yes. yeah, we mm. don't know what. But paradise also was captivity. Yes, mm. there was a gulf between hell and paradise. But paradise also was a captivity. Why? Who had power over death? Death had power. Mm. That's why he says, I have the keys of Hades. And death. And death. So paradise also was a part of Hades. And the keys. The devil, the demons could do nothing to them, but they couldn't get out of that also because death had to be overcome. And when Jesus overcame death, he unlocked it, took them, and now he says, I have the keys, not the devil. And that's where our faith comes from. We are not afraid. That fear is broken. Every other fear. As long as you don't break that fear, that is a major fear. It's a fear about pain. All of us, I think Dr. Richard also will have, though he's a doctor and given many injections and cuttings. But when the injection comes, we still flinch a little, right? And especially when they have to poke care, we flinch more. That's a different pain. It's a normal, natural Fear. That's a natural fear. The greater the pain inflicted, that's a more natural fear. We are not talking about that. That's a natural fear. Depending upon your tolerance of pain, we are not talking about that. It's a fear of death. 
that has to be overcome. For the Bible is very clear in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Very clear. That is how 14 and 15, okay? That he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. devil. And verse 15, in as yeah, 15, and, and, release. and release those who through fear, fear of death, death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Mm. That's how we hold us in bondage, how huh? the fear of death. All, everything, that, that fear controls us. And Jesus comes and first releases us from that fear. Just be free from that. You don't have to be afraid. Once you're free from that fear, then you are able to say what I say, to take the risks of faith. Mm. Faith is a risk. A lot of people are not willing to take the risk because they're looking at loss. But if you know there is no loss, only gain, you will be willing to take the risk. Mm. Imagine, no? you are told, don't worry, I covered you. You cannot lose. Whatever you lose, I'll put in. Suddenly you're willing to take risks. You want to start a business venture. Ambani or Adani comes and says, don't worry, start. What if I lose? Okay, one year, complete loss, I cover. Second year, I cover. Five years, I cover. Suddenly you're willing to take risks. Why? He says, I covered you. This God comes and says, what is the greatest loss you can have in death? They can get off. <laughs> don't bother. That's been taken care of, he says. Go take a risk. Then you are willing to take a risk of faith. That's where he comes. That's why he comes and says, I am the resurrection. He doesn't say, I am the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Because life without resurrection does not make meaning. People will be still afraid. He says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Even if you die, you will live. Okay. That is where we have to look. That is where. And it's not going to happen in one day. It mm. has to happen by when you are... That's what the Bible says. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. What does it mean to keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus? Your mind is occupied with the life that you're going to live with Christ Jesus. Mind is going occupied with... Actually, I have a place over there and I have this family over there who really love me and I love him and there, nobody loves me more than he loves me. You actually think about a place and a person. That's how Rebecca... If Rebecca had not been thinking about her cousin, Isaac... She had heard. She had heard. Probably news had been coming in. Isaac in his old age has a son and all those things. No, These things were all told. Right? These things she must have heard. And she had been meditating and thinking about getting married and one day settled. And then this Eliezer comes over there and this thing happens and she dream becomes reality and then they tell her, will you go? She said, I'll go. Well, tomorrow. You don't always make those decisions on a split second. Mm. These are decisions that have been thought over and over and over and over yeah. and over. But when the time to make the decision is come, you are able to, you don't need time to make the decision because this was your decision always. Mm. So rapture is not a decision that is taking place then. Rapture was a decision you took all your life to go. You're not making up that, oh, today is the day, Lord, you're coming. No, you are rapture ready. <laughs> How do you get rapture ready? Your mind is on this person. That's what the Bible says. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. If you look at Hebrews 12 and verse 2, it's absolutely clear. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Why? 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did he go through it all? Because his mind was fixed on his bride. Mm. My girl is coming home. And the only way my girl can come home is that I have to go through this. But if I go through this, when I go to the other side, do you know who I'm getting? I'm getting my girl. And the girl, on the same token, on this side, says, you know what, I'm going on to the other side. You know why? Do you know who I'm getting when I go over there? I'm getting my man. Mm. That's how she endures the cross. Because the life on earth for a believer is a cross. Mm. It's a cross. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy because everything is against you. The world hates you. The demons are against you. Your own family may misunderstand you. Everything. When you are radical for this person of Jesus Christ, everything turns Jesus. upside down. How do you endure it? A man is on the other side. And all the days of my life, I'm prepared for that. I'm moving towards that. That is the day of my life. You know? And that's out. So he despised the shame. He endured the cross. And he sat down. And mm. he's waiting now yeah. for her to come. Mm. So that's how it works. These are, this is why the Bible says, think on these things, Bible says. And you can see that's how Paul thought. I mean, Paul can, can't randomly write anthema if you don't have, if you do not love Christ that way. I mean, this is his entire passion is about mm. Christ. It's about Christ. Okay. He, he had this zeal for the law and Yahweh. It is a zeal here. But when he encountered, that zeal became for that person that was encapsulated in the, the law. law and the prophets, law became yes. a person. Mm. What the law and the prophets, he found it in Jesus. And he was absolutely enamored by Jesus. And that is what his passion through it. It's a person. Without that person, we are not going anywhere. They're not going pair. And that is that's where Christianity is different. And unless you have that person, you will not spring back. Even if it's a cause, even if it's an ideology, you cannot spring back. The causes can die. We can forget your cause. And we have this term called a lost cause. Saul had zeal, he had causes, he went after causes, but he never had this person in his life. And therefore, after some time, he looks at the odds and he quit. He was just sitting there under a tree. Not David. He was after a person. He was after a person. And the cause was connected to that person. He never detached the cause from the, the person. person yeah. So, it did not matter, even if the cause was not happening for a long time, he clung to the person. person yeah. He clung to the person. And that is the thing, because for 13 years or more years, he was running. He was running. And the cause is not being advanced at all by his running. But his, his issue was for 16 months, he ran away from the person. And that is when he got into trouble. He got into trouble. And that is the thing, you know. More than the cause, it has to be the person. And when the person is come, the cause should come. But you have a cause like a communist. Communists will die for this ideology. Pointless, worthless. It's an ideology. There is no person called Marx coming and speaking to you and comforting you and promising you an utopia on the other side. Nothing. It's an ideology. It's an ideology. And the same thing is true for every religion. There's no promise. No personal promise to anybody in any religion except in Christianity. There's no personal promise from 
anybody, a founder of any philosophy, ideology or religion. There is no personal promise. Muhammad is not coming and telling any Muslim, I'm waiting for you on the other side. I'm preparing something for you. And I'm coming and I'm taking you back. Buddha didn't say that. No Hindu has that hope. Nobody has that hope. We are the people. That's why the Bible says we have been birthed into a living Thank hope. You. What is that hope? In my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back. And I'm coming back. And that is in which our, our that hope is what motivates our faith. That's why the Bible brings faith and hope together in Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. hoped for. So the question is, what are you hoping for? Things not seen. What are you seeing? And the Bible says, eyes haven't seen no ears. So you, you, it says, I can't show you. These eyes cannot handle it. These eyes cannot handle it. His eyes haven't seen. I mean, whatever he saw, he wrote in Revelation 21 and 22. People have tried to imagine and paint and pictures and movies. And when we see reality, we'll realize nobody could capture it. There's no way you can capture it. Okay, now we are talking about a place. And if a place is like that, what about the person who created that place? Okay, so we are going to a place. These are the things. Because otherwise, how did these people all survive? Which Hebrews 11, 35 onwards talks about those who wandered in sheepskins and were beaten and scared. Why did they go through that? How did they go through that? One thing, the person. So it says about Moses, he endured by seeing him who was invisible. Yeah. Him. He didn't get anything he was promised. He didn't see the promised land. He didn't put his foot in. He didn't get any house. He didn't build. He didn't get wells. He didn't get anything. But he was promised something. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll call it a die. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we are coming to the end of the month. We'll close in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you've spoken to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for Lord reminding us constantly to keep our eyes fixed upon you, to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, not to disconnect ourselves with a person and get caught up with causes. And I pray, Lord, every one of us will take it to heart, O oh Lord. Our heart will be stayed on you. Thank you, Lord, once again this evening, O oh Lord. We commit all of us, your children, into your hands. Everyone who's listening all around the world, I pray, Lord, that your anointing would rest on every one of us, oh Lord, I pray that even as we have heard these answers, I pray, Lord, you would make them relevant to every situation that we are going through, oh Lord, and you would give us wisdom, direction, and discernment, and Lord, Lord, that you would direct us, Lord, and you would lead us, oh Lord, in a way that we need to pray and we need to seek your face and our purpose in our, in our lives, your purpose in our lives will become even more clearer even as the days go by, oh Lord, and we will stay focused, not get easily distracted, oh Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you once again for exhorting us, encouraging us this evening, O oh Lord. And I pray, Lord, even as we end this day and prepare ourselves for tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, uh, Father, grant us another day in the land of the living, grant us another opportunity, O oh Lord, so that we can continuously prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.